You are listening to Sheep Might Fly, a podcast of serialised fiction written and read by Tansy Rain Roberts. This is the year of critical roles. Chapter 6. The Year of Juniper, Part 2. July. Juniper hated being alone in the office. At least when Mariel and Tim were there, Ogden Loxley MP would shout his commands at them and ignore her unless coffee was required. When she was alone, he would stare at her as if he'd forgotten she existed and call her by the wrong name and expect her to know absolutely every file or paper that had passed through Mariel or Tim's hands in the last 12 months. It was terrifying. But only one of them had to be here on Saturdays when his nibs insisted on coming in and it was her turn. At least today, Loxley was holed up in his office, shouting into phones and mirrors simultaneously and had not so far noticed her horrible mistake. Your delivery, madame? Jules Nightshade lounged in the doorway, holding a large manila envelope. You angel, said Juniper, relief flooding her. She ran forward, snatched it from him, checked the contents and then hugged him. You saved my bacon. She still couldn't believe she had accidentally taken those papers home, let alone leaving them on her bedside table when she left for work today. She could get into so much trouble taking anything out of the office. Almost like she had other things on her mind. Almost like she'd woken up with Holly's hair in her mouth again after yet another friendly but not quite romantic sleepover together. Hang on, said Juniper. I asked May to bring these. May is broom dashing. Sage and Holly are in the middle of some kind of project and I haven't seen hide nor hair of deck or show. It's only me, I'm afraid, darling, coming to the rescue. I appreciate it, she said. And then, because she rather liked that she and Jules were at this level of friendship now. Things going well with Sage then? Shut up, shut up, he said, smiling brightly. I hope they let you off early enough for cake wizards tonight. Me too. I think maybe we'll get to meet the Sorbet Queen this week. The door slammed open behind them, and to Juniper's horror, Ogden Gulliver MP strolled out of his office. January, do you have those Fisher numbers? I do, she said, discreetly sliding them out of the envelope and handing them to him. Ogden stopped, staring at Jules. Young Nightshade, not your neck of the woods, is it? How's your dad? I imagine you've seen him more recently than me, said Jules, oozing basilisk charm. Ha, yes, probably. Tell West I owe him a game of troll snooker. Ogden frowned slightly. Are you wanting to bend my ear? Really should make an appointment. Jacaranda, can we get Mr Nightshade into the appointment book for next week? No need, said Jules. I was just about to take Juniper here out to lunch. Ogden blinked and looked at Juniper like it had just occurred to him she might be a person. It's three in the afternoon. Shamefully late to be taking her break, but she's such a hard worker, said Jules. Uh, yes, might as well head off for the day, Juniper. I'm going home myself in a minute. Excellent, said Jules, smiling with all of his teeth. 
Enjoy the rest of the weekend, Loxley. You too, Nightshade. What was that? Juniper said as they left the office a few minutes later, hand in hand. He's friends with my dad, said Jules, gritting his teeth. Whole family is. Horrible toads, the lot of them. Want to lift back to the house? Oh no, said Juniper. I am totally buying you lunch. August. Holly had been talking about the new song and Sage's plans for the band for the last 30 minutes without stopping. Juniper found it soothing how little she was expected to contribute. There wasn't even space to make ooh and ah noises or to nod in a supportive manner. She might close her eyes and take a nap. Except that Holly was electric like this, all spark and snap and pretty eyes. Juniper listened for as long as she could, until Holly finally, finally wound to a close. So what do you think? asked Holly, breathless. Juniper kissed her. September. You look exhausted, Juniper said to Jules. Thank you, darling, he replied. Nice to know my eye cream is failing to perform miracles. They'd been meeting up for lunch now and then. She wasn't sure exactly where he worked, but it was nearby sometimes, and they both made the occasional effort, so they managed a lunch every few weeks. He had missed the last cake wizard session and looked miserable when Juniper asked about it. Should I be worried? she asked. He stabbed a fork into his panini, which was entirely the wrong way to eat paninis. Don't worry about me. I'm bulletproof. Tell me about your job. I work for the government, Jules. It's all top secret. An odd look crossed his face. I know that. Is your boss still a dickhead? Obviously. And she told him a story about Ogden's terrible behaviour in the office staff tea room, which he shouldn't even have access to. By the end of it, she had coaxed two smiles out of him. October. I've never been to an orchestra before, said Holly, whose hair was bright pink for the occasion. It looked dramatic over a tuxedo jacket and tiny white dress. Calypso, settling into her seat on the other side of Juniper, looked quite startled. Are you not a musical person, then? Holly blinked. I'm in the band. Oh... Juniper's little sister rolled her eyes, as only a first-year uni student could, totally dismissive. Your sister's band, Holly followed up. Are you still doing that, Juniper? Calypso ran her eye over the programme. Oh, look, Carmen has three solos. We have a show coming up New Year's Eve, Holly said sulkily. New venue. You should come. I'll probably have other invitations, said Calypso. I did see a rock band the other week, actually. Really? Juniper was surprised. It was rare for anyone in her family to listen to anything that wasn't played by people in suits. On Friday night at Medea's Cauldron. They're called Null. Oh, said Holly, who had taken the loss of the regular gig at Medea's Cauldron quite hard. Them. Shh, said Calypso, it's starting. 
November. Juniper slipped silently out of Holly's bed in her long vintage nightgown. She would get dressed in her own room. There was no reason to wake up her girlfriend. Girlfriend? Just because she had to be at work stupidly early. A dark shape on the couch stirred, and Juniper pushed down a scream. Jules? Shh. He sat up suddenly. His magic was a muffled presence wrapped in stale coffee. His hair was wild, his eyes worse. Juniper, what is going on? Um, I can't tell you. Juniper let out a small growl. She was rather proud of it. Sorry, sorry, it's just literal national secrets. I shouldn't tell you anything. I didn't want you to go in blind. In blind where? He looked like such a wreck. She wanted to put a blanket over him. Juniper, Jules said seriously, if I tell you something, can you pretend you don't know? Have you met me? I've been secretive and repressed my whole life. No one ever knows what's going on in my head. He blinked, listing slightly to one side. I just assume you're constantly narrating your own life as if you're in a Jane Austen novel. That's quite a lucky guess for a gentleman clearly lacking in sleep. He sighed. Okay, here we go. Your boss was arrested last night. Juniper wished she could pretend to be surprised. That must have been quite the sex scandal. Actually, nothing to do with that. He's, uh, there's this whole international warlock consortium of evil and... Jules broke off looking helpless. I shouldn't say any more than that. Just, the more you know, the more complicit you'll look. Then why are you here? Because you're about to have a really bad day in the office. People like my bosses are going to ask you a lot of questions. I just wanted you to know. Juniper leaned in and gave him the world's biggest hug. You're such an idiot. Won't you be in trouble at work for spilling national secrets to me? He'd never told her what he did for a living, but she had some idea. She was one of life's observers, after all. Sage is on record as my boyfriend, he muttered into her flannel-clad shoulder. It won't look weird, me coming to the house. For the record, when did you last see, said boyfriend. Follow-up question, when did you last get a full night's sleep? It's been a while, he sounded half unconscious already. Right. Juniper stood up, hauling Jules to his feet. He followed her quite obediently, out of the flat, up the internal staircase and directly into the kitchen at the upper floor of the manic pixie dream house, because the boys upstairs were lazy about security. She walked Jules all the way to Sage's bedroom and knocked on the door. Ugh, she heard from inside, which was enough to have her opening the door and pushing Jules inside. Please look after this, Jules, Juniper said sweetly. I have a busy day ahead of me, apparently. I need to know he's in good hands. Sage, masked and half asleep, stuck his head up off the pillow. When he saw Jules lurching in his general direction, he grinned and pushed the doona back in a vaguely welcoming manner. About fucking time. So, Juniper's terrible boss was running a sideline in an international warlock consortium of evil. More importantly, if he'd been arrested, 
That meant he might not be in the office. Today was the day to see if she could pull off a power suit. December Dear Diary, I can write in you again because my new job is at a dental magician's office and nothing is likely to happen to require you to become an exhibit in a court case. I haven't performed in public in more than a year. We've been practising, of course. We recorded a few vids. We're completely ready for this next stage of fake geek girl. Sage is so invested in this New Year's performance. But it's been a long year and I forgot how hard stage fright hits me. Things have been amazing lately with me and Holly, but is that because I'm filling a void for her? Am I just a placeholder while she figures out her career path, her relationship with her sister and friends? Oh, wait a minute, she's trying to get my attention. Hey, Judy. Hi. How do I look? You look amazing. Thank you. I love your hair like that, very punk. This is going to be good, right? It's not a colossal embarrassing mistake. If it is, then it's a colossal, embarrassing mistake we're making together. Kissing sound. Can we talk after the show? Um, no. What? Holly, you're the one who keeps telling me to stand up for myself. If you really mean that, you can't do things like saying you need to talk just before the most important performance of our career. If you want to break up with me, no. Of course not. Well, good. The opposite of that, really. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, there's a whole speech and a song, and we literally do not have time right now. There's a song. It's unrehearsed. It sounds like we should talk after the show. That's what I said. Right. Good. More kissing sounds. Will you two get on stage? Thanks for listening to Sheep Might Fly. You can sign up to my author newsletter for updates. Follow me on Twitter at TansyRR or at Sheep Might Fly. Find me on Facebook at TansyRR Books. And if you like this podcast, consider supporting me at Patreon, where you can receive all kinds of cool rewards, early ebooks, and exclusive stories for a small monthly pledge. See you next week. Mm-hmm.